This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, the Chiefs take out the superb bowl in a game for the ages. Will the NBL see new kings this season as Sydney's resilience is put to the test? A Valentine's card that you'll want to hold on for. And India leave the Aussies' head spinning. Head being the operative word. Let's go. It's 1.52 on Saturday, the 18th of February, 2023. Here we are again. Shui, how you doing? Doing good, mate. Doing good. You've had a really good run of the clock not changing. <laughs> Mid timestamp. Every week you can change. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden it's just nothing. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Nothing happens. Yeah, As everyone. always, check the timestamps. Please like and subscribe. You've won the bat flip, mate. Oh, have I? You've won oh. the, yeah, you've won the BBL bat flip. I've won the it, BBL, my favourite. It did land on the side a couple of times, but we've <laughs> third time lucky you've won the uh, the flip. Jason Gilby really enjoys milk. Like, really enjoys it. At the expense of drinking water. Did you see that? I, I did see that. I, to be honest, I'm actually in the same bowl as him. Same bowl of cereal, even, if you want to so talk milk. <laughs> I don't know about you, and I don't know if this puts me in an incredibly weird category, but my family and I used to drink a big glass of milk with dinner every night. I used to drink a pint of milk most nights. Yeah, I don't anymore. Pint? Yeah, yeah. Got into it early. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'd nurse it over a while, but yeah. There you go. Yeah, there was a period, yeah. So we're all lactose tolerant, you could say. We're incredibly tolerant, yeah. <laughs> Love it. And then the well, the only other thing I had was Super Bowl, which I imagine you have as well. Super Bowl is a big thing on my list. I did want to just quickly before we get into the Super Bowl, just talk about something very, very interesting. I find John Casey is the gift that keeps on giving oh, on Twitter. He's brilliant, brilliant really follow. Is. He has basically continued to cover a great variety of sports. It's not just the ones that you would ordinarily hear him commentating in, but this is a new one even for him. So he's basically posted about this campaigner for sheepdog trialling at the 2032 Brisbane Olympics. Oh, man. Well, the, the host nation can choose the sport. So they theoretically, they could actually do it if they wanted to, I think. Wouldn't we be better off just doing AFL? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. At least then there's absolutely... Because people have sheep all around the well, world. Well, T20 cricket is one of the things they've talked of. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. That would be yeah. very fun. It was very funny, though, because they said she was renewing her efforts despite official indications that she is barking up the wrong tree. Oh, <laughs> terrible. But surely yeah. this is a little bit too far. I mean, I would have thought so. A, I would have thought so. A sport where the human isn't the one putting in... Yeah. Well, there's dressage and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but, true. I mean... That's kind of bullshit too. If you well, ask well, me. It, is, it is, yeah. I mean, at least with the equestrian and the the cross country stuff that they do, that's putting a lot of strain. But yeah, you're right. That's that's a very good point. I haven't thought about that. I mean, it's it's not as bad, I think. But yeah, yeah. Like literally, all of the effort is a bloke sitting there in like a wife beater, whistling at the dog. <laughs> I don't get around. What would be funny is if the equestrians had to change their clothes with. The dog hurting people. The equestrians. Yeah, so the, the, the equestrians <laughs> can wear the wife beaters. <laughs> I don't think that's the official term. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the equestrian ears. The horsey people. The horsey people. Yeah. That was so, speaking of Aussie commentators, going back to the Super Bowl, did SEN need to send Jared Waitley there? It's so weird all these countries that send their own media there. Like, it's not a modern world with the internet where we're all exposed to US media and... By the way, we're not meant to call it that. We'll call it the superb bowl, the big game. Anyway, uh, super bowl, I think. It's yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. My next bowling. I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of things like that. Eurovision, do they not send people from all over the? True. All over, well, not so much all over. Yeah, so it's Australia yeah. and all over Europe. Yeah. I, I, if you're not an English-speaking country, that makes more sense. I don't know. I just don't think Australian journalists. I mean, I guess. Okay, there was Jordan Mailata and Aaron Sipos playing. So there was an extra Aussie element this year. But I don't oh, know. Don't get me wrong. If you're Jared and they come up to you and go, hey, we're kind of thinking about sending him to the Super Bowl. Do you think he's like, nah? Oh, of course. Like, it's great for him. And I love, I love Jared. He's one of the best commentators in Australia. He's one of the best sports journalists we have. I love the guy. But I just, I don't know. I just, SCM could have saved a bit of coin, I think, you know. But imagine, great for him. Yeah, yeah. I could imagine him saying, no, I don't think you should send me. It's, it's an, it's an unnecessary expense. I'll watch from the big room in Melbourne. Like, no, it was really? definitely, yeah, probably, well, it wasn't required, but it made for an extra spectacle, I guess. Yeah, I only heard his pre and post coverage. We, I mean, we didn't hear a lot of the commentary because we were at the pub. I, I plan to watch it again, but I haven't had a chance to watch it again. So I only have that kind of social viewing. So we would have missed details here and there. Oh, absolutely. But what a game, hey? Highest scoring Super Bowl of all time. We yep. jagged a good one. We did. We did. It Kansas was... City again, Chiefs. Yeah. It was it was a hell of a game. 
game of two halves in many ways. Yes. But, uh, geez, I'll tell you what. The calls? Well, we'll get to a lot of the, okay. the talking points, but this is one of these games where it just goes to show greatness always shines through at, at the biggest times. And a guy in Mahomes who was and again, hobbled, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute as well, but was hobbled, basically orchestrating what was a, a very impressive comeback. In oh, absolutely. Night. Absolutely. With a little bit of help, but they came home with a wet sail yes. and... Geez, they timed it perfectly. Who was it? McKinnon, who turned down the touchdown to take a little uh, knee at the one-yard line, basically, so they could kill more clock. And I guess in that sense, it was a little bit anticlimactic, the clock killing at the end. But, well, they did it perfectly, didn't they? And Andy Reid in the past has been criticised as a bad tactician. So his his whole legacy has changed since he went to Kansas City in many ways. Well, I suppose let's look at the game from the start. So obviously, as we've we've spoken about, it was very, very high scoring. That literally started on the opening drive. This was one of the most spectacular opening drives you could imagine for a Super Bowl here. Jalen Hurts, just just perfect. That opening drive only reached third down twice, and one of them was at the goal line as well. So couldn't have done much better. Capped it off with his first running TD of the game. It kind of felt like in that first half, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it kind of felt like Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco kind of kept the Chiefs in the game. Yeah, no, I think that's really fair. I think Pacheco was excellent. He was a really low draft pick. They stole him. They really did. And Kelsey was Kelsey was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I mean, in the first half, we were saying early MVP candidate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I yeah. mean, Pacheco, there were a couple of times where he looked like he was hemmed in. There's no way he's making any sort of yardage. And he'd spin back off, go another direction, make eight, nine yards out of nothing. Kelsey, yeah, that big touchdown reception in the first quarter. One of the best, best celebrations you could imagine. Did that little gyrating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the other guy was basically fanning his balls <laughs> to stop him from overheating. They didn't need to count the thrusts on that they one. Did. <laughs> Good Keenan Peel reference that. <laughs> Waiting for the third one before they throw the flag. Look, it was it was a great first half. And, you know, the Eagles receivers were spectacular as well. I mean, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard all picked up massive yardage. That 45-yard touchdown pass to Brown in the second quarter was huge. Yes. I'll tell you what, though, that overturned catch was key, wasn't it? It, it was. Because it was. going to halftime potentially 28-14 or even 24-14 is different to 21-14. And I thought that was a bit BS. It was. I mean, it still resulted in a field goal, but when you consider what sort of field position that would have given them. Well, yeah. oh, so it was still a field goal, was it? They, they so did, it was yeah. a 24-14. Yeah, it was 21-14 okay. yeah, yeah. at the time. They kicked the field goal. And, and let's be honest, the Chiefs were kind of lucky that it was 24-14 because really they had one passing touchdown. The rest of it was basically down to the defense. Oh, it's a whole different game if it's 28 14 at halftime. I honestly do believe that. Well, it could have been seven. As I say, it was that fumble yeah. recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was huge. Like Nick, yeah, Nick yeah. Bolton basically picking up the fumble from Hertz and running That's the it thing. In. Hertz had great stats, but he also had that fumble, which was key. Hmm. Really big. And yeah. I, I remember saying to one of the guys at the pub there, like, this is the sort of game where even up 17 in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs would be certainly, yeah, they'd be backable. Oh, yeah, think, yeah, 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 yeah. You would still think they could get it done. So Definitely. So, obviously, the big moment of the first half, 133 left, Mahomes trying to basically pick up a few extra yards, gets tackled from behind and rolls the ankle. Re-rolls. Really bad. Yeah, re-injures the already injured ankle. What did you think at that point? Uh, well, it didn't look good, did it? But seemed fine after half time. That's the final game of the season. You've got to put all the chips in and do your best. And he did. And they did. Well, that's it. You're rehabbing the offseason. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So second half comes out. As you say, it kind of looked like it was potentially going to be an issue. The ankle looked fine, though, as he came out. The offense was completely different. It was like a whole different ball game. The Chiefs running backs are just finding holes left, right, and center to run into. The receivers are finding space where there wasn't any in the first half. Yeah, a lot of stuff over the middle. Kadarius Tony literally walked five oh, yards. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and they had a second one very similar to that not long after as well. So as we said before about Jarek McKinnon, could have literally waltzed in for a third one where no one was within 10 yards. And that's that's that would be your dream, to score a Super Bowl touchdown. You know what I mean? So that's a very team-first thing to do. He did not get that touchdown, but it was a big reason why they won. Big reason. Now we've got to talk about Aaron Sipos. Yes, Bill Simmons referred to it as one of the worst punts in NFL history. 
I've Super Bowl history. Heard it. Superb to... Bowl. Super <laughs> Bell. Big game. <laughs> I've uh, heard it referred to as a lot worse than the, one of the worst. The worst. I've heard a lot of people say it. Yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason everyone's saying this, for anyone who maybe didn't see this, he's basically, what, fourth and two right back towards his own end zone. Yeah, maybe 30 or something yeah. from memory. Yeah, it's not like right back, but yeah. certainly in his own half. Everyone's thinking he's going to basically put it down towards the other end zone. Instead, it's a 37-yarder. It basically goes straight to a receiver. It doesn't put any sort of pressure on him. I mean, we've got to give a ton of credit to Tony on this. So this is, you know, Kadarius Tony's had his touchdown earlier. He's the guy fielding the, the, the kick. And he looked boxed in, but all of a sudden he spins and that whole other half of the field just opens up for him. And it actually, funnily enough, ended up being Sipos who made the tackle at the five. Right, right. Yes, which, which the was, AFL. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't think either of us realised on the day, but I saw as I was sort of reading. Uh, I found it very hard to to focus, to be honest. There was a lot going on, wasn't there? Including a friend over my right shoulder who was talking my ear off. Yes. <laughs> a very casual fan too, so he didn't give a shit what was going on, whereas I was wanting to know every detail. And, but... and group was pretty loud yeah well. oh, no, it was great fun it was, yeah it was a good day but yes a lot of people saying that that pretty much that botched punt was the main reason that the Chiefs ended up scoring again and oh well, yeah yeah well I mean when you're down at the five yeah. you've got to put points on the board exactly and so yeah I mean we we talked about it before the McKinnon play under two minutes left he slides at the two-yard line instead of running in what would have been a very easy touchdown they run- and look they might have still won but it, but it did help them kill the clock. And in this modern game, teams can drive the field really quick. And Jalen Hurts played pretty well, he did. apart from the fumble. Yep. Played very well, actually. He did. So there's every reason to believe Philly might have had enough time to, yeah. Oh, two minutes is an eternity. Yeah. So we've got to talk about it, Nath, the holding. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the first half one was bad enough. The holding one, look, it was there. And he, in his defense, and I actually forget who the defender was. Uh, Bradbury. James Bradbury. In his in his defense, he did actually admit that he held him briefly. But I tell you what, those little ticky-tack ones happen 50 times in a game. Did it make a difference? Like, they happen on every play, you know? Yeah, didn't make a difference. Though. I don't think it would have. I'm not convinced the pass would have got to him. So I'm not convinced it was catchable. It landed five yards over the top of him. So yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't think there's any chance he would have got there. And it was funny because there was almost an identical play in the first half. The same two guys. No call. Yeah. So you think, if anything, you're more likely to call that in the middle of the game rather than right at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, it was a shame. That changed the whole... That was bigger than the punt. That changed. That, that basically set, set up a win, yeah. I feel. It was disappointing. It was. Because they probably would have won without that call. So it's a shame that we're going to remember the umpires. Yeah. Did you see the Juju Smith-Schuster tweet mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day? Yep, that is literally one of the coldest, oh, most disrespectful things I've ever seen. It's just terrible. So there was a picture of James Bradbury and the words, I'll hold you when it matters most. And then it had to and from so you could print it off. And look, it's funny. But it's in such poor taste. Just this close to when it's happened. Oh. I mean, the guy's probably still mourning the loss and knowing that he was of course. a huge part of it. Of course. Like, that's, like, next-level trolling. That is bad. That's ju- bad juju. It is bad juju. It's really bad juju. We're part of the title. Yes, yeah, lactose tolerant and bad juju. Yes. I think we've got a few there. <laughs> but, but AJ Brown, so he replied, first off, congratulations. You all deserve this. This is lame. You was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you're like that or ever was. But congratulations again. Yeah. I like TikTok boy, though. Yeah, that's great. That is awesome. One-year deal, TikTok boy. But yeah, you- I'll just be a gracious winner, for goodness sake. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be. One thing that I do think we really need to emphasise, though, is just how much quality the Kansas City offensive line showed in that game. They gave up zero sacks against the league-leading sack team in the league. Philly had 70 sacks across the season, 15 clear of the Chiefs in second place, and did not give up a single one. That's huge. And I think, did they get the record in the end? I think they only needed one to get the record and, for a season. And they, and they did get, get it. it. And I think there was a bit of Kansas City probably felt like, it's to invoke Bill Simmons again, the old no one believes in us kind of, because everyone talked about Philly and Philly's offensive line and stuff. And Sanders didn't play that well running the ball. Whereas you're right. On the other hand, Kansas City's line was fantastic. The other thing, how's this? Now, look, Travis Kelsey plays a part because he's basically a wide receiver. 
But Kansas City's entire wide receiver core is 15 million. Tyreek Hill went to Miami for 30 million. Mm. So everyone's going, oh, surely they, I mean, it's incredible for them to win the Super Bowl having lost Tyreek Hill. Really like, impressive. I feel like when we were talking about this earlier in the season about Tyreek Hill leaving, I feel like we probably had the similar comment where it's like without him. Yeah, oh, a, I didn't think they would. No. Yeah, it's a huge loss. A massive loss. And he played really well too for Miami. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you say the the Eagles joined the Phillies and Union, which is the Major League Soccer team, as losers in the Ultimate Game or Series? So if the Flyers and 76ers make the finals and lose, Philly will probably think it's cursed. They'll be doing more than booing Santa Claus then. Look, I mean, the 76ers would be an outside chance. I don't know anything about hockey. Yeah, I had to look that up. So the Flyers are two games under 500, so I don't think there's any danger of that one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, talking about falling at the final post, hey? It's tough. It's yeah. tough. Now... At risk of becoming a pop culture show, Nath, we do have to quickly give a minute to the halftime show. Oh, yeah. It's really one of the most polarising halftime shows I think I can remember in terms of people are either loving it or they're hating it. There hasn't been much in between. With yeah, I would agree with that. I haven't done a hell of a lot of research on that, but I would agree with that, yeah. I had a quick look. and Look, there are websites out there that have ranked them from top to bottom. Prince. $0 for, for getting Prince as the number one. Yeah, Prince. But the Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, 50 Cent, Mary J. Blige, yeah, Kendrick yeah. Lamar, and Eminem from last year was spectacular. Really, really elaborate stage design. I just, for me, I felt that it fell way short. Now, those little levels things, I saw somebody had done like a um, Super Smash Brothers level <laughs> with like Bowser and <laughs> with Rihanna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so someone had done that. But yeah, just it didn't feel that great. It was very much a, it's all about me. There weren't any backup supporters. Usually there is somebody supporting. Yeah, them. there's normally multiple acts. Yeah, mm. yeah. It, it's very rare in this day and age that it's just one person. Yeah, I mean, I hate Rihanna, so I was never going to like it. But Look, And you wonder if some of the people that loved it were just fans of hers and they're going to love it no matter what. Yeah. Like I've heard some Chili Peppers fans defend them in their recent concerts. I've seen the Chili Peppers. I've found them disappointing live. I love them as a band, but. Anyway, yeah, I right. wouldn't defend them just because I love them. Do you know what I mean? So you'd say the Chili Peppers concerts are a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, well, yes, yes, love. yes. There we go. Done. Yes. No, I look. It's actually a cover, you know. Yes, it is very, very true. Not a great, a great cover. Look, it, it feels as though we are ready for a good rock or metal performance. It's been a while since we've had one. Oh, I was crying out for them to get Black Sabbath before they, but it's too late now for Sabbath, I think. But Metallica would make a lot of sense. Yep. Does Especially it... with them on the eve of a new album. But uh, I mean, the, you know. they've had you two in the past, you know, some someone of that level. They've had the Stones. Yep, they have. Uh, who else? Yeah, oh, they've had plenty of rock and roll. Yeah, well, yeah. If you go back to the ones in like the nineteen seventies, and it's like what Mister and Mrs. The Marriage of Mister and Mrs. Pac Man or whatever, like oh, on the Simpsons. Pretty much, like yeah. it's that sort of level. Like they, they showed the set list, and it's like when the Saints go marching in. Like, oh dear lord. Okay, maybe Rihanna's not that bad. I don't know, Mister. The Marriage of Mister and Mrs. Pac Man. You know. <laughs> That's scared physical. <laughs> Just quickly, while we're talking about the Super Bowl, the, the Superb Bowl, big game. So last week I spoke about Tom Brady and the retirement sand. I don't know what it's up to now. We should check. But in that vein, a South Carolinian, Carolinian. Store, Kirk's Collectibles, is in hot water for allegedly selling dodgy memorabilia. So ESPN reported last week that law enforcement confiscated over 600 fake championship rings across four major US professional sports leagues and the NCAA worth, inverted commas, 15 million. Wow. If they were real, kind of, you know, passing them off as real, worth 15 million. The hall consisted of 157 Super Bowl rings, 83 NBA Finals rings, 99 World Series, 29 Stanley Cup, and 251 NCAA championship rings for unnamed sports. Interesting. Yeah. Now, just quickly, I've gone to the third umpire. There are now literally 20, 30, let's just say scores. Oh, man, there are. Scores of posts about this vials of bottled sand. Some of them as low as 20 bucks. Others. Oh, that's cute. Tom Brady retirement spot sand memorabilia keychain. Oh, that's cute. I like that. But there'll be none of that beach left. <laughs> so many of them. Someone's even done a retirement sand custom-framed Patriots-Buccaneers tribute, one of five. Oh, get fucked. Jeebus. Then finally, a little closer to home, Shuey, the Peter Bowl situation. I intentionally never brought this up when the A sample was negative because I wanted to wait for the B sample. You did better than I, I Exactly, exactly, because I had it on a short list. 
for an opening bounce or what caught your attention, whatever we were calling it at the time. And I decided, no, do you know what? I'm going to sit on that one. And as you say, <laughs> I, I, I was right. So his A sample came back as a little bit dodgy. Yes, tested positive for EPO in October. But the B sample has come back not confirming the A sample, which is unusual. Yes. But, yeah, why would you go straight out as Athletics Australia and go, hey, look at this. We've got a problem with Pia Bowl. Well, do you know why? Because they're idiots. Because they thought he was going to win Young Australian of the Year. Oh, shit. Okay. So they thought they were fixing stuff, but actually they've caused a great deal of pain because not only has he been un unable to train for months and compete, him, everyone thought he was the odds-on favourite to win that. Mm. So he might have missed out on... Because, you know, after that incredible fourth at the Olympics and capturing the nation's heart, and he was an absolute hero during those Olympics. Yep. So that's why they did it when they did it. And what, But... Now, yeah. now they're going to get sued. Yeah, well, basically, yeah. So his lawyer, Paul Green, has described it as a disgrace. He's uh, accused the sporting authorities of trying to cover their tracks. Um, and, and their fields. And their, Yes. The anti-doping world is looking after their own interests. They are supposed to look after the interests of athletes. I've done this stuff for almost 20 years. They don't look after the interests of the athletes. They will circle the wagons and protect their own every time. That's what they're doing here. So my question was, was he robbed of young Aussie of the year? Well, I don't know who won it. To, yeah, due to my extensive knowledge <laughs> of all of the candidates, I'm going to say with with 100 literally no idea. Look, he was robbed of being nominated. I would suggest, but and he was robbed of a clean image. Yes, you know, like this stuff isn't reported for a reason because when if it if there are inconsistencies, and apparently he's passed 20 tests since, hmm. so there's. Good reason to believe it was an anomaly. Well, I mean, the thing is as well, if you look at, you know, the world of crime in general, people that are accused of things, whether they've done it or not, it, it does stick with them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if you're accused of beating a spouse, people will assume that you're a wife beater for the rest of your life, regardless of whether it's true or not. That's just one yeah. one of many horrible examples you could give on this. But yeah, you're right. It, it really has tarnished the reputation of a very, very great young man and hopefully everything is fine for him moving forward. Well, that's right. I mean, the other Olympics are not too far around the corner. The next Olympics, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll be next year. Jesus Christ, they are next year. Yeah. Oh so, so, yeah, it's it's a real shame. He's a young man. Hopefully he can turn it around and no doubt he'll capture our hearts again. But, uh, yeah, it is sad for him and and these things, they, they impact on people's lives. So, Shui, we've got a lot of NBL to cover, haven't we? We do, yeah. The play-ins have begun since we last recorded, and now we've got two semi-final series going to a third game. It's exciting. It's it is. It's very exciting. As good as you could hope for, really. It really is. It really is. So maybe we'll start chronologically. Wildcats 106 at Phoenix 99. Yeah, this was an incredible game, really. One of those ones where a team just flicks a switch. Yes. Or, or probably more specifically, one player yes. flicks a switch and everyone just kind of rides the, the slipstream. I mean, that's a really, I love the way you put that spot on. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a particularly great start from Perth, which is pretty much part of the course right across the entire season. Brady Manick kept us in the game he in the did. first half. It was magnificent. Yep. Hit some big shots, hit some tough shots as well. And and I've made a note here, all of it was in rhythm. So yeah. they weren't even really looking for him. And they didn't, I actually felt like they probably didn't look for him enough in the second half, given how well he played yeah. in the first half. It didn't matter in the end. Yeah. But I think with this one, I mean, obviously, we saw early on, as you said, Manic carried us early while Cotton was still kind of struggling through that shooting. I don't know what you call woes. It's probably yes, the easiest yeah, way to put it. Yep. There was a little bit of assistance. I mean, I can see in your notes you've got about Luke Travers stepping up and Mitch Norton, those yep. sorts of guys. Yeah. There was a well lot coached from John really getting getting Norton in. It was, and look, it's absolutely no disrespect to the Webster boys. I think Norton and Travers made more sense in those positions. They played incredibly well. They hit shots. That's Norton not, defended well. Yeah, that's not yeah. to say that Webster, both Corey and Ty, wouldn't have done the same thing. But I think you just got to go with the guys that are on and the guys that are there while the run is happening. And, I mean, that fourth quarter was ridiculous. And I think a lot of the Bryce stuff was in rhythm too. I don't feel like he was hogging it, really. Do you know what So they just played a superb... Down 13 at the start of the fourth. So South East Melbourne scored the first bucket. And then it was all Perth. But do you know what they always say about shooters? Keep them off the free throw line. Yes, yes. As a shooter, don't let them see that ball go through yeah. the net. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and play the part of a shooter right now. I used to be a bloody good free throw shooter back mm -hmm. in the day, but 
one of those things for me was, yeah, getting a, a free throw. Nobody's pressuring you. You get to see the ball go through, as you say. All of a sudden, that hoop just gets a little bit bigger and the jump shots become a little bit easier. And sure enough, that's what happened. Yep. Yep. No, he was magnificent. Uh, the whole team. Thomas looked really good passing as well. I actually think I would have liked to have seen the Wildcats use the triangle a little bit more because Thomas is an excellent passing big man. And with cutters like Travers, I think the triangle offense would have worked with this Wildcats team quite well. But I thought they trapped and pressed really well and probably didn't do that enough over the course of the season. But yeah, they it was a fantastic win for the Wildcats and gave us fans a lot of hope, didn't it? <laughs> it, it? It did. A couple of other things. So I guess the question is, did the Phoenix choke? I don't think this is high up on the chokes. Yeah. I think it's probably maybe like a mid-pack, like a five out of ten, using, I guess, the, the scale. Yeah, no, I thought the exact same thing. I thought, oh, it's hard to call it a blatant choke because I think they just caught a team that had a really good last quarter and yeah. a guy that got hot four out of ten maybe. Yeah, I don't think it was. And, and yeah. it's not like they were throwing dodgy cross-court passes that were getting picked off or stepping out of bounds just missing layups left, right, and center. I think it was, as you say, yeah, you just you catch a team that gets on a heater and it, it can sometimes be hard to kind of get your footing again and go, oh, shit, hang on, how do we stop this? Yeah. So I, I do think they could have attacked the paint more. That's the way to beat the Wildcats is to attack the paint. Oh, the only other note I have from this one, Stewie, is the egregious non-overturn on one of the most blatant charges. This is after I said that they'd finally started to get that right a little bit and admit mistakes. Hey, hey, hey. Look, I don't really have anything to say on that because of the fact that there were a couple of what I thought were fairly blatant travels that led to Wildcats buckets. Right. Okay. Yeah. There was the Jesse Wagstaff step through where it looked like he took about 15 steps. And just before I noticed you actually made the point about that beautiful hesitation layup that Bryce had. Oh, fantastic. Stop and go. But I yeah. think Travis traveled before that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So okay. I think it kind of balanced out fairly well. I don't think there was any issues there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fair enough. I don't recall all that. I watched so many NBL games in the last week and my head's kind of spinning, to be honest. There you go. The, the seeding game was the Jackies and the Snakes. The Jack Jumpers 87 defeating the Snakes. 79 in Cairns. The thing that I loved, so I don't know if you've watched the game's introductions and stuff or if you just kind of watch from the opening tip. I don't know how much of the bells and whistles coverage you've watched. Jackies and Snakes, I honestly didn't even see. Oh, okay. Because I was at work and it was a big... Yeah, game. yeah. I've had to watch a lot of this stuff after in weird hours and, and that sort of thing. But in Corey's intro, and I liked Corey's intros, but he says, it's do or die. Well, actually... It's not. The loser got to play again after that game. <laughs> it was the one game that wasn't do or die, basically. Also, I hate the phrase do or die. It's like if the team loses, they're not going to die. <laughs> well, their season's dead, I guess. But They're not going to die. I just, I just found it really odd that they would preface that entire game with do or die when there's a lucky loser. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I, I found that weird. But yeah, Milton Doyle really is more than his stats, isn't he? He was just fantastic in this game. He was absolutely the difference. He, he controls the game so well. And we've talked about the non-dickhead version of Julius Hodge. And it's so funny because just as I was thinking about that, Andrew Gaze compared him to Leroy Loggins. Wow. I was like, holy shit. So Leroy was Gaze's favorite player. So that's like about as high as a reverence as you can hold. Might be a bit too far for me. Yeah, it's, it's the consistency. So at times, Doyle is the best player in the league. There's other times when he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't have a hell of a lot more from this one. I thought the Jack Jumpers were locked in. It was a very typical kind of Jack Jumpers gritty play playoff, postseason, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> Scott Roth teamed, coached kind of victory. Yep. Yeah. And then before we get onto the semis, Wildcats 78 at Cairns 91. Cairns without your, Pinder. Your introduction there summarizes that game. Yeah, perfectly. well, yeah. How flat were perfect. Oh, man. Cairns without Pinder, Cairns without McCall, two yep. of their best players. Yep. The Wildcats would have been super confident, but it's basically the same team that beat the Wildcats in the second last game of the regular season. So we probably shouldn't be all that surprised because this time they were at home. Well, I mean, I wasn't. Going into the game, certainly right up until about maybe a couple of hours before tip-off, I felt pretty confident about this one. I thought there's no way the Snakes should hang with us. But then I thought, you know what? Hurt's been on the road for a few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to get, obviously, from here across to Melbourne. Melbourne yep. up to Cairns, is, it's not the easiest sort of travel. They're going to be tired. And unfortunately... No Ty Webster playing. No, yep, no Ty Webster. Yep, short rotations. The guys that were playing big minutes in that Southeast Melbourne game were playing big minutes in this game as yep. well. Yep. And shock horror, a lot of the shots start coming up short. And that's what happens when you get fatigued. So I think this is just one of those ones where if you maybe had an extra couple of days, could maybe come home. Yep. 
I mean, I don't know if that makes it any easier or if it's worse. Well, yeah, know. I actually wondered if staying on the road would make it easier. Mm. But yeah, it's not surprising. It's it's really not. But the snakes were excellent. TJ Hogue was magnificent. It was. Uh, their next man up mentality is just brilliant. They're, they're just so impressive, aren't they? And Bulldog Kowal on, on defense. <laughs> I mean, he is a bulldog. He's fantastic. You know how you're coming up with interesting nicknames. I honestly, I can't stop likening DJ Hogue to Hito Turkoglu. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's better like, defender though, I think. Yeah, it's like... But there's some similarities, I can see DJ that. DJ Hedayek, Turk Hoglu. <laughs> there we go. That's about as bad as I can do. But no, he has a very similar bounce to his shot. He has that really nice in-between game. He's been He does like living on the perimeter, yep. which Hedo did. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like the comparison. He's been yeah. unstoppable. Even just the way he shoots the ball has a, a lot of similarities in the mechanics. Very high release on that. He's just... Hard yeah, to block, yeah. He's yep. hard to stop. Yep. So we'll move on to the semi, Shui. I don't think anyone will dispute that the right four teams are in the semi-finals. Hey, the four best teams, the four best defensively ranked teams, defense wins championships. Sometimes, for the most part, pretty much it always yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I, I think definitely if you if you finish top four in the season, it's pretty rough to get knocked out. Yes, before yeah, yeah. Well, Cairns did well. I honestly thought they were going to go out in straight sets. I really did. Mm. So Cairns, and last night, and we'll get there, but let's start chronologically. So the first series was New Zealand and Tassie. I know it's the 2-3, but game one, amidst craziness of natural disasters and hurricanes and whatever it is. Is it a hurricane? Cyclone? Whatever, cyclone. A shit ton of wind. Yeah, very terrible stuff. New Zealand 88 defeated Tassie 68. Speaking of natural disasters, they had a bloody earthquake there as well. Like yeah, I know. 6.1 Yeah, magnitude. yeah, yeah. Poor New After Zealand. that horrible one in Turkey too. Yeah, I looked. Terrible. Thoughts and prayers go out. Yeah, to there's the, been a few really bad ones. Syrians and the, the Turks. That's, yeah. Oh God, what, 30-something thousand people? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, it is. It is. Look, I don't have any notes for this game, really. It was pretty... I mean, New Zealand got ahead. Tassie kind of... Kind of hung around, hung around, hung around, but it was a comfortable win and, and it was never in doubt, really. So for me, the big thing, it's your typical New Zealand strangling sort of effort defensively. I thought they absolutely turned the screws when they needed to. The Jackies needed Milton Doyle and Rashad Kelly to be huge without Majette. They combined to go five of 19 for 22 points. They had to go small as well. Will Magne didn't even play 20 minutes in the game. So Magne's done nothing in the series, yep. really. Three and four he had in that game. Yeah, so yeah. It wasn't great, but it, there was a little bit of a Cam Glidden effect in that third quarter. The game was still quite tight, and he hits two threes in the space of a couple of minutes. And Yeah, it was about 10-ish at that point, eight yeah. or 10 maybe. It was, yeah, New Zealand were, were they couldn't shake them off, could they? Yeah. they the, the Jackies hung around. But then they just kind of broke it open from there. They go on to blow them out. And it's funny you say that because it's it's really interesting how the role players, it, it's like Clint Steindl last night did a couple of similar things for the Jack Jumpers when the game was in the balance a little bit well, when you talk about. But we'll, let's, yeah. get, let's, get some, let's get there. But before, get... before we get into the action, so Tassie are wearing their Heritage jersey in home finals. Fucking love it. I've got a quote here. We know the fans absolutely love the retro jersey design and so do our players. Our mantra is to defend the island and we know we represent the Tasmanian people every time we step out. The playing group were really passionate about wearing it and we felt it was important to our club and important to the people of Tasmania. The question then has to be asked, is this just an admission that they should have been the devils all along? <laughs> Honestly. I mean, potentially, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they do that march thing that you can't really do True. with the Tassie devils. But yeah, I mean, we've both come out and said right from the start they need to be the devils. Yeah. The jerseys were amazing. Yeah. I don't know why they went with Jack Jumpers as much as it's kind of grown on me now. If you're defending the island, hello, here's an animal that only lives on your fucking island. Like, it's the most obvious. Did uh, the Jack uh, Jumpers not go anywhere else to that? Oh, uh, well, I guess so. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah they still, might be native to Tassie. You might be right, actually. You might be right. They're still ants. But we, we, my girlfriend and I went to the zoo for our anniversary last week, and we got a really good look of the Tassie Devils. They were out and wow. about. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. They were having a feed. They were out and about. It was brilliant. And she was like, why wouldn't they call their basketball team this creature? It yeah. is the coolest creature. Yep. Why wouldn't you? And you just know that the AFL team will sweep in and call themselves the Devils. So you just know it'll happen. So they Absolutely should. they should. It's the best name for that entire state. Hmm. They've got the Tigers in the cricket and the Devils in the basketball. It just makes too much sense. Anyway, I think hey, that's hey, an hey, admission hey, they've screwed this. Not, not. Can I get the Tasmanian Phyla Saints? 
Well, it's, yeah, okay. Tigers, thylacines. They'll, yeah, you say potato. They'll be extinct within a couple of years. There's actually talk from... The Lynch Go Panthers out and about in Queensland, speaking of yeah, creatures. But, but, no, but there's talk. But, there's actually legitimate talk that there might still be thylacines out in the wild. Yeah, yeah, they've they've said that. Which is cool. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Anyway, basketball. There's some theories. But this game had it all. It had buzzer beaters, blocks, narrowly meadows. You know, <laughs> the, the Jack McVeigh sign. Did you see that? There was a couple in the crowd and there's this lady holding a... Uh, uh, sorry, no, the male. He's holding a sign saying, my wife loves Jack McVeigh more than me. <laughs> And she has this like massive grin on her face, and he's got this like forlorn kind of like defeated. So he, well, he's married. Right? <laughs> I, I get it. He's married. It's fantastic though. The commentators dined out on that too. Milton Doyle with a tampon up his nose to stop the blood nose that he had at halftime. Even Creaky remembering the gay's mummy. It had everything. Very entertaining. It wasn't super high scoring, but one of my favourite games of the entire playoffs so far. Or, or postseason, whatever you want to call it. Basically, I think the easiest way to summarise this whole game is that Tassie basically just flipped the script. They really did, yeah. Yep. They, they strangled New Zealand. Yep. The three-point shot, if you look at game one, New Zealand 42% from three, Tassie 26. In this one, Tassie 39, New Zealand 23. And something like Tassie's 15 of the first 20 shots or something were threes. They were launching them. They do like the three. They do. They do. And I feel that I'm a big fan of Jarrell Brantley. He got a bit heated. He kind of lost the plot a little bit at the end there. He's a, he's a magnificent player. I think he falls in love with the three a little bit at times, though. And yeah, yeah. He can hurt them a little bit. But yeah. for the most part, he's magnificent. He is. So New Zealand had it under control for a lot of the game. You could look at the scoreline and think that Tassie controlled from pillar to post but 11-0 runs straddling the third and fourth that was a massive part in Tassie winning okay it did stay close for a little while after that but I think that was a part that that broke the game open Barry Brown Jr came alive at the end too so he had a pretty quiet one and then he was magnificent down the stretch too little too late though here's one for you so Fabian Krizlovich his first quarter was just brilliant he was a big part in why they were in the game early too I think I've got a bit of a comparison for you Mm -hmm. Rupert Sapwell Ooh, bigger version of Rupert Sapple. Well, I think Sapple had bigger arms. He was, but, yeah, he was. But he just did some things in this game, like he had a steal and that dunk. A lot of players wouldn't have dunked that. I don't know. He's got a bit of mongrel in him. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm off the. Off I'd the like mic. to see Chris Levitt use the bank a couple times. Then I could maybe. Yeah, fair enough. Then yeah. I could. It's just like a long three though. But, every but, now yeah, then. but if he was to bank them in from the forty-fives, I could see the comparison. Then, oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair Interesting. Enough. And the, the Richard Kelly, Rose Ellis one, I'm pretty sure. I think yeah, they, I made that in the preseason. Yep. But anyway, I wouldn't be the first time. I won't be the last either. You got any more on that series? And I guess we should make a prediction too tomorrow. So we'll do our best to upload this tonight and, and have it out before the games are played. Look, I'm not going to be too adventurous here. New Zealand at home. Yeah, I love what the Jack Jumpers showed for a lot of that game, particularly the second half. I love, I love that team. There's just so much great stuff about them. It's incredible to think Majet might be back for the grand final series if they make it. Probably not till game four or five, I would imagine. But he seemed to have a tiny bit of optimism. But I've been extolling New Zealand's virtues for a long time now. I said in the podcast live episode that I thought New Zealand were a really sneaky chance. So I've got to take him in three as well. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Nothing would surprise me, though. On the other side of the draw, we've got Sydney and Cairns, and that one's getting a bit spicy too. Now, I've been another one to say I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Sydney have got this in the bag. They're rightful favourites. They're number one seed. They have a lot of good players. But this team is not as good as last year's team, and we'll get to some of the stuff in game two. Well, and we will. And I will say at this point in the series, I don't know if Sydney are the favourites. Well, yeah, they'll be at home. It all hinges on Cooks. It's going to depend on, well, Cooks and Suarez. But anyway, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I think they can. Yes, we will. All right, so game one. I I don't actually have a lot of notes for game one. Sydney 95 defeating Cairns 87. I don't think it was as close as maybe the scoreline showed. But, yeah. This was exactly what I expected from the series. So Sydney, and this is Xavier Cooks in particular, but Suarez as well, just put the snakes to the sword in terms of points in the paint. 58 to 26 it was, points in the paint. That's a smashing. Cairns fought hard, which again, you would expect that. Jonah Antonio's first half performance was superb. Yes. But in the end, the Kings run over the top of them. And outside of Antonio, Kansas bench gave him nothing. It kind of went to script because Sydney had been off for nearly two weeks. Cairns had played a couple of games in quick succession. They had a big win over Perth. It kind of went to script that they would come out probably stronger in the first half and then Sydney would kind of wrestle the momentum back and then win kind of comfortably in the second half, which is what happened. Cooks was magnificent, wasn't he? Double-double, a few blocks. One of the most heinous carries of all time. Oh, I don't remember that one. 
Yeah, okay, well, we've gone to the third umpire there. I forgot about that one. That was pretty bad on the break there. That absolutely should have been Jordan Carey. They would have called that in the NBA it was that bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was. <laughs> but yes, very uh, much. Great game from to, him. To though. script, though. Like, yeah. Absolutely as expected. And to be up by, what, nine or 11 points only a few minutes into the third after Cairns came out so strong in the first half. So they really, they wrestled control really early in the second half and and just carried it through. How was Chase Buford after the game? The fact that, so I quote, the fact they had Antonio come in and flame torch us in that quarter and he was still minus four. He's got to deliver that to make up for his deficiencies on the other end to play against us. It will be hard to replicate that performance. And it was, he didn't. Had a couple of nice blocks though, last night. I have nothing to say on Chase Buford, I think. <laughs> I, I, aside from the fact that I think that he's a vile human being and I just, I don't like the guy. I don't rate him at all. I think he's been lucky to have very, very stacked rosters. I think he's the Steve Kerr of the NBL. I've said it before. Uh, I Yeah, I have a lot more faith in Steve Kerr than you. I, I think, I don't know. I'm of the school of thought of if one of the other opposition players is dirty or does something dodgy, then they're fair game. But a comment like that, I mean, Antonio did nothing wrong. What did he do wrong? Knock down threes? Yeah, he shot the ball too well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, look, and I don't know if it provided too much fodder, but Cairns, 93 defeating Sydney, 82 last night in game two. And, well, most of the stuff to unpack from this one happened in the final, what, three minutes after the game had already been decided, hadn't give, it? Give or take. I mean, if you look at the numbers of this game, there wasn't actually a massive swing from games one and two. Like, basically, the only thing that really changed was the numbers that Xavier Cooks put up. Now, admittedly, he goes out in the yes, third quarter. him going down was big, yeah. But... He went from 27 and 14 in the yeah. first game to five and four. Yeah. And without the heart and soul of that team, they kind of looked a bit helpless. And I feel like even if he had played it out, they would have won still, Cairns, because they were playing really well and they had the home crowd and everything like that. Oh, I was slipping away when he went down. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you never know. You never know. So I suppose we should talk about there's a few things to talk there about. There are a few things to talk about. So first things first, the Kuat Noi. I, I'm not even going to say flop because it wasn't a flop. No, it wasn't a flop. So, so what do you make of it? Oh, well, it was a horrible call. I mean, he practically broke his nose hmm. as Chase Buford. And Chase Buford clearly wanted to be ejected. He was that pissed off he wanted to send a message. And I don't mind that. I think that can be a good coaching strategy sometimes to send a message and it might help him for game three. But, I mean, clearly it wasn't a flop, was it? No. It was just a bad call. If anything, you probably call Noy for the reach-in and that's his fifth foul anyway and he's out of the game. But it's not a technical foul. You kind of play on. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think Buford will see any ramifications from this or repercussions. No, he's already he might... served his time from earlier in the year. He'll, so. he'll be fine. But I think the thing that I really got frustrated by was the Suarez incident. Yes. And we, we need to talk about that. Yes, so... oh, we do big time. So basically, there's a lot of talk about, oh, you know, it wasn't that bad. If you look at the play in its entirety, though, he sets a pretty hard screen on Bull Kowal in the backcourt. Kowal kind of follows him into the keyway. He throws Kowal out of bounds. And then after that, sets up and drops a shoulder into Yeah, Warnke. okay. Some of these details I don't remember. There's a lot of frustration and a lot of anger on that entire play. Now, I get it. Suarez is pissed off. I have white line fever when I play volleyball. I understand what it's like to be frustrated losing to a team, especially one that you feel like you should be better. They probably felt like they were going to go in and sweep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I think given the precedent, the Jesse Wag stuff. Well, that's the key. That's the key. If it weren't for that, I'd rather see him playing. I I think they can win without him anyway. I don't know if it reaches the level of a game in the playoffs, uh, but you're right. The precedent, if they have to follow precedent, then. Yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You can't suspend Jesse Wagstaff in a regular season game for doing practically the same thing. It's just, I don't understand. The other thing that makes it even worse is it was off the ball. Yes, that's true. At least Wagstaff was trying to set a screen. Okay, admittedly, he didn't do the right thing and he got suspended for it. But I think to be doing that off the ball and dropping the shoulder, it has to be based on the precedent of one game suspension. And I, I don't see any way... Unless Paul Smith decides to bribe someone, which I don't think he'll do. (laughs) I just can't see a world in in basically anywhere that he plays. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, and the the other thing is, it's a real shame because in a kind of late season and post-season where players are dropping like flies or they weren't even available like Pinder and Majet, Wardenberg could be underdone for Cairns because of this as well right in I mean, terms of the concussion do you mean yeah who knows i mean he caught one he might have a broken cheek who, who knows what will come mm. out of this 
So we'll be waiting with bated breath. I don't know if there's any news. Do we have any news about Xavier Cook? I don't know if we do. But the other big thing as well in terms of, I guess, what's frustrating about all of this is that we've been on the side, the Melbourne United series, where Perth basically had no players available. (laughs) There was like Cotton was out. Norton was basically on one leg. Steindl was injured. They allowed a stupid Udai Barber buzzer beater that wasn't a buzzer beater to count. Travelled, yeah, which just <laughs> stuck the energy out of the stadium. Not salty at all. But those those sorts of experiences make us realise that it sucks when a team's not at full strength. And look, Sydney played well all season. They've been the best team all season. They deserve to be at full strength for the finals. That's just the way it is for me. So we got to do predictions, Shuey. They could be without their two big players. If Suarez and Cooks are out, that really helps Cairns as a team that's maybe not as big. We don't have news. I don't think we'll know until tip whether or not. The NBL has conceded that the flop was wrong. Yeah. So that's nice because the league doesn't always admit when it's wrong. But that doesn't impact anything because... No, not really. The game was lost. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. impact anything because Cooks and Suarez weren't involved. No, well, that's right. That's another... But but it is nice when they admit when they're wrong. It is. Yeah. My big thing with this is if Cooks and Suarez don't play... Who stops Hogan Wardenberg with that little height? Assuming Assuming Wardenberg's good. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, who scores for the Kings as well? Vasiljevic is four of twenty in the series. Aside from Quite Noy, their bench has really not given them that much. Noy and Geordie Hunter probably have to start. So all of a sudden that bench becomes even thinner. Uh, well, and it's a good point. I really like Geordie Hunter. I think he could start and play 30 minutes for most teams in the league. So they do have that luxury if Suarez and Cooks are out. Hunter would need to have a big game. DJ would need to have a big game. And it could go either way. Either he'll have a 30 on 12 shots or or he'll have another absolute like horrible one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he hasn't hard. had a great season. Well, I, certainly not as good as last season. I think Cairns win this. I really do. And that's that's purely based on I don't think Cooks will play. And if he does, he's going to be ginger as anything. So I just, I don't know. I'm not yeah, sure. oh, look, I have no certainty or confidence, but I will pick the Kings at home. Okay. And and I think that they'll find a way to let Suarez play. And, and my gut tells me that Cooks might play too, actually. Okay. So I, I think they, and look, they'll be underdone. I just, I worry about Kansas' legs. We saw it happen with the Wildcats and True. we talked about that. And I just... Even at the end of that game last night, even though they won and you could tell they were going to win, they did kind of stumble to the finish line a little bit. Paul Wardenberg was totally gassed. You could tell he was knackered. Yeah. So I'll still pick Sydney based on fatigue. But if if the game was on Wednesday rather than Sunday, oh. I, I might be inclined. To, well, but then that gives Sydney time to recover. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it'll be a cracker. I think both games will be really exciting. Hopefully we'll have a wonderful semi-final series and a great grand final series too. Literally news just to hand, Shui. I'm glad it's come in before we have finished recording. NBL, oh, what Suarez. A, what a crock of shit, seriously. Why does the league protect Sydney like this? Oh, well. No, not, not, no. <laughs> Sorry. When you drop a shoulder into a guy and you do not get suspended, he's been charged with striking, one one game suspension reduced to a $1,000 fine with an early guilty plea. I'm sorry. No. Not okay. Yeah, look, I, look. I, normally I would have said definitely not. It's the Wagstaff precedent that makes it really interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, So it's an absolute joke. Look, Chase Buford got a $1,000 fine reduced to seven fifty. I got no problems with that. He got ejected. He yelled at the umpire. Oh, yeah, that's fine. No issues at all whatsoever with that. That's fine. Yeah, that's a fine that's fine. It's not Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. It's not like he kicked a sign and broke it or <laughs> any of that sort of stuff. But I'm sorry, the NBL, you have got this wrong. What a fucking joke. Well, game three will be interesting. So, first test, Joey. What a shit show. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Second's looking a little bit better. We've kept our eye on things. We'll get to that in a sec. But, my God, I didn't even write down the score. Australia lost by an innings and what? 200 runs? 177 and 91 all out. And India, 400. Yeah. So, innings and a lot. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not great. Like, how's this for a damning stat just to start things off? So... Axar Patel, Ravi Jadeja, and Ravi Ashwin, the three spinners for India, made the same amount of runs in their first innings than Australia did. Yeah. 177 on the dot. Wow. Well, Jadeja and Ashwin kill us every time, and they kill us with bat and ball. It's rinse and repeat stuff with them. It is. I think the only real shining light for the Australians in that was probably Todd Murphy. Yes. Great debut. Incredible control. Yep. Anytime you get seven wickets on debut, that's pretty special. 
Incidentally, he once kicked seven in a game for the under 14. Some someone posted on Twitter. He, I think he kicked 111 goals in a season, including seven in a game in the under 14. So, so dual sportsman. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Looking a bit Daniel Vittori like with the glasses. A little the, bit, yeah. Yeah. Not not like, so much necessarily the action. Like a mixture of Dan Vittori and Mitch Santner. Oh, yeah, okay. Seeing as New Zealand like to have those spinners with yeah, the glasses, yeah, but yeah. bespectacled, if you will. Yes, well, indeed. Yes. I think with this one. It was just down to, I guess, a little bit of the control with the bowling. I mean, India, if you look at it, 15 of their 20 dismissals were bowled or LBW. It just shows that putting the ball on the stumps, and they weren't getting punished for it either. You know, quite often in a lot of parts of the world, if you bowl too straight, you'll get put away, basically. Yeah. Guys that pull or hook the ball well, depending on the length, guys that drive well, it just wasn't happening. And look, in Nagpur is quite a difficult place to play. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium, as I said in the last episode, but very, very tough place to play. And look, India just obviously did a lot more. Beautiful knock from Robert Sharma. I thought he was pretty special. And uh, oh, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, just too much support, I guess, in terms of if you're an Australian fan, way too much support. The question I think is so we'll talk about selection as well. We'll talk about a few things. But the question I ask is do we have too high expectations? I don't. So I've got, uh, yeah, I think we're more realistic. And we did we did talk in our last episode when we discussed cricket. Yeah. that We're not winning a test yeah. over there. It's not happening. So Tim Wigmore said on Twitter, and I, don't, I haven't verified this, assuming this is correct. Since 2013, India have won 35 out of 43 home tests, losing just two and winning 15 of them by an innings. Now, I gave them a little bit more than they had. In the end, it was an innings and 132. The third biggest loss in India for the Aussies and the second inning score of 91 was our lowest on the subcontinent. Pretty fucking average. Pretty fucking average indeed. So, did we get the selection right? No. Renshaw came in, head didn't get a bat, which is crazy. Renshaw made two more runs than you and I. Yeah, he had a duck. Well, it might have been a golden duck, was it? I he had a duck. It was a second ball or something. It wasn't many deliveries, that's for sure. I think to not reward head. Okay, so he played seven tests on the subcontinent and he'd scored 213 in an average of 21.3. It's not... Brilliant by any stretch, but it's not shit. It's not Renshaw. And he had such a good summer. I just, I can't understand why you wouldn't have played head in the team. I really don't. Any, any, any bloke in Australia, they want head. It's just plain and simple. All guys want head. Oh, that's true. Now, obviously, the game didn't go well for the Australians. Ravi Jadeja was easily the man of the match, took a bunch of wickets, made some runs. Kills us every time. But the big talking point was the incident involving what the Indian team are calling ointment being applied to his spinning finger, claiming that the finger was sore from all of the bowling and from previous injuries. The issue I have with this is the optics. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just go up to the umpire and say, can I put some cream on my finger? Yes. That's It's that simple. Yeah. And the thing is, it could be completely innocent. But when oh, you, it's, yeah, prob- yeah, probably was. It probably was. But when you see someone rub an unknown substance on their fingers and then work the ball with that, how are we supposed to view it any other way? And like, I always go. And they, they have been stricter on what you can apply to the ball and the rules have tightened up. So you're right. There's less excuse than there once was. Yeah. And look, part of my rant, I have to say is because quite often, you know, you're very, very big the on glass houses, yeah. people in glass houses. <laughs> but as a nation that has been dragged over the coals for this sort of thing more than any other nation in the world, like I had a look, there's been 16 documented ball tampering incidents and I think aside from Sandpaper Gate, the longest suspension I could see was Nicholas Porin in 2019 getting four ODIs. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Our boys, rightfully so, were dragged over the coals for it. Cam Bancroft's career in pretty the, much ruined. Was done. Yeah. Smith and Warner lost a, a pretty key year in their careers at, at a Smith's very, prime. Yep. Definite prime. Because you saw what he did in the ashes after that. Yeah. Yeah. And we still cop grief as a nation over it, but no one else seems to cop it. I know. Or they just deny it like the police. I know, I know. I know, it's bullshit, isn't it? So it, it, the, the problem is that the sandpaper was so egregious and so it was the next level, wasn't it? It was different to a lolly. It was different to actual sand in the pocket, which they've all done. It was, But you're right, every nation does it and for some reason we're the cheats and no one else is. My, my big question is this, though, and I know I get it. The sandpaper is, I would say, definitely the worst of the lot. But what sort of suspension did Shahid Afridi get for biting the ball? What sort of suspension did a number of players Again, get? though, it was self-imposed. Cricket Australia did the suspensions, no, not I, the ICC, no, because the ICC are toothless tigers when it comes to this. Well, the ICC didn't even cite it yeah. for this. And and I, as, I, as I said, it's the optics. Yes, if you need to get an ointment put on there, go off the ground or go up to the umpire and say, hey, 
I'm applying this to my hands. But when you see him put it on his finger and then literally take three steps and start rubbing it on the same. Yeah. I'd love to see, did he pick up any wickets shortly after that? Probably. I, I'm not sure. what happened. I didn't get to watch a hell of a lot because it was over in two days. Mm. I was looking forward to it. Stupidly, I was hoping we might get to watch a little bit after the Super Bowl. I don't know what I was what I was thinking in that regard. No. The Superb Bowl. It's the big Super, game. Super Bowl. Yeah, Super yeah. Bowl. But yeah. look, it just, to me, as I said, whether it is completely innocent or not is beyond the question. I, I think it was, but I, I, I just... It's the optics. It just looks bad. Yeah. No, fair enough. And as I say, like the the people in glass houses thing, like you can easily flip it the other way and say, well, we're the ones who have had our glass house broken down that many times. And we're the ones that initiated a really big penalty that I think was excessive, actually, a whole year, like uh, on top of all the other stuff with the captaincy and yeah. Look, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the Ganges. (laughs) It's good for Graham Gooch. It's good for the Ganges. Yes, something uh, along those lines. While, while we're talking about things that rhyme with Ganges, while we're talking about phalanges, what do you make of that's fingers, isn't it? Yes, phalanges. It is. yes. Yeah. What, what did you make of Steve Smith's thumbs up for the good delivery? I know AB didn't like it. He was. Um, I don't love it. I don't hate it as much as AB. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Like, it's whatever. If that if if that helps Smith's concentration, then fine. You well, know? there was one in one of the recent series where Manus Labuschagne, I think, might have been the West Indies series where. He copped a beauty and he actually said, oh, that's a, yeah, that's a ripper. Like, yeah, they just love rocks. cricket. Yeah, 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 they love cricket. And, and I think that's the key. Credit where credit's due. These guys are cricket tragic. Yeah, so, yeah, they I, are. I think they you're probably abs- right. Absolutely are. A couple of quick things. So in that game, Nathan Lyon delivered his 30,000th bowl without ever bowling a no ball in test cricket. Thanks to Maza Ashad for that one, assuming it's correct. Hmm. Pretty impressive. The word embarrassing was trending on Twitter in Australia after the match. <laughs> Over 60,000, I think it was at one point. Good. Uh, Brett Sprigg pointed that out. Rick Finlay, really wondering about the strategy of taking three blokes to India who weren't fit enough to play in the first half of the program. So obviously, Agar, we haven't talked about that yet. Agar didn't get a match. Now, I don't think he should have. I don't think he's up to it at test level. Probably not, no. So I, I was all for Murphy getting a run. I know some others weren't. So I was okay with that one. It was the Renshaw head selection. That I mean, do do you think Agar ever plays again for Australia at Tesla? No, no, definitely not. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. He just had to be out of here before the final of the Big Bash. Well, that's the, that's the interesting thing. So Kuhneman's gone over there, took the new ball in, in the second test, which we'll talk about in a sec. Kuhneman played in the Big Bash final. Agar didn't get to play in the Big Bash finals at all. Now, obviously, Perth still won, but there was it's a bit funny there. And now Mitch Swepson's gone home for the birth of a child too. Yeah. Uh, there's some weird stuff going on. There is. Just quickly on Langer. So Aussie sports commentator Michael Maney wrote on Twitter, Justin Langer was implementing backbone, fight and resilience into our national team. Then the little softies got their feelings hurt and wanted Uncle Andrew to tell them that it isn't fair, pat them on the back. Fact, you reap what you sow. And now, time for a chat. GPT. So, Shuri, a bit of a new segment here leading into the cricket. Bit of a silly one. I don't know if you've had a chance to play with ChatGPT much. It's quite phenomenal. I was playing with it last night. It's it's pretty cool. Billy had time to scratch my ass. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But just for a bit of fun, I asked it to please write a poem about the Australian cricket team's coaching changes in the last couple of years with a focus on Justin Langer and whether or not he was hard done by. In the world of cricket, Australia's team has seen some changes, or so it would seem, the coaching staff shifting and sliding, and many questions confiding. Justin Langa, a former player grade, stepped up to coach with his steady gait. His methods were strict, some said too much, but others praised him for his golden touch. He led the team to some great heights, wins against England, India and sides, but then the losses started creeping in, the critics' voices getting under his skin. Langa's demeanor was stern and strict, and some players felt that he was too quick to criticize and reprimand, and so, a divide began to stand. The board took notice of this rift, and with no end inside or lift, they started looking for a new coach and Justin Langa's position up for reproach. Some felt that he had been hard done, that his coaching was second to none, and that the players were just too soft, but the board had made their decision aloft. 
And so, Langa moved on from his post. Some felt that it was a good call. At most, others lamented the loss of his touch. But in the end, it was just too much. Has he jumped the gun there? Well, I mean, possibly. The, the big thing, is, and if you're alluding to the fact that we're actually making inroads... We're going all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, the current partnership is Ravi Jardesia and Virat Kohli. Well, that's right. So they could easily put on 300. You just yeah. never know. And I saw on the quick info commentary, someone wrote in, India have just typed in the cheat code, M-I-D-D-L-E-O-R-D-E-R. And it would be good for 177 runs, based on what you said previously. Probably. Yeah. So I guess we'll talk a little bit about the second test. couple of leading things. So Peter Laylor reported, early inspection of the wicket reveals an area sedated in the middle where seamers pitch, but a crack house beginning constructed on a length for the spinners. Wow. A crack house. That'll be interesting during the drinks break. <laughs> and Corbin Middlemass tweeted, the air quality index had Delhi at 257. For point of comparison at the time, under 50 is what's healthy. Sydney was at 8, Melbourne 12, Nagpur 103. We're in Delhi. I don't remember it being that bad. I mean, it was nearly 12 years ago or so for three World Cups. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's a long time ago now. Yeah, 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 a few remind. cycles ago. Well, I don't remember it. I mean, I don't know. Is it one of those things where when you're in it, you don't see it as well? Or has it got worse in the last? I mean, it has been over a decade. It's possible. Funnily enough, actually, I had a Facebook thing pop up today saying that it, might, it was 12 years ago today that I flew out. Oh, there you go. Mm. Yeah, right. Had my lonely weekend. I met a Yeah, yeah. And lost half your body weight. Incredibly sick. I need to, <laughs> I need to go back, actually, and drink some of their water. But <laughs> honestly, it was... Yeah. I, I remember, obviously, like, look, there's no two ways about it. Delhi is a world away from Australia. It's it's very, very different. The part that we were staying in as well wasn't certainly that affluent, um, let's just say. It was, it was a bit Do you remember of... that tiny shower? It was about 40 centimetres by 40 centimetres. Yeah. You well, couldn't, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> let, let's just let people behind the curtains. You, myself, and another friend of ours basically shared a king-size bed. <laughs> yeah, a triple room, as it was, uh, as it was called. But look, I, I thought you were going to mention a shower then. No, we didn't. We didn't share a shower. No, we we couldn't if we wanted to. No. <laughs> Look, it was an incredible experience. I, I love Delhi. I have really, really great memories of Delhi as a city. I certainly don't remember it being that horrible. And I was back in Delhi probably six years ago. I, had fun. I enjoyed Delhi. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. certainly don't remember the air quality being that bad. I think... I don't know, it felt like Mumbai was worse, to be honest. Yeah, but okay. Anyway, look. There you go. 257 is terrible. Now... The Auss- it's about what the Aussie score was in the end. 263? <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah. Is that a passable score? Well, considering we were, what, four down for not much, both Smith, if you tell me that you'll make 260-odd with Smith and Labashane both failing, I'll take it most times. Well, four for 108. At that point, yeah. given, given what happened in the previous test, you'd probably think 160 would be pretty decent. So to get to 260 is not too bad. And I guess look, you can look at it two ways. There were none for 50 at one point. But yes, Warner, Labashane, Smith, Head, and Carey all making what fifteen or eighteen or less, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Warner now's out with a concussion slash dodgy elbow. Mm. So, so Renshaw's come in. His test career might be done. His test career might be done. I, I yeah. still think he'll get a gig at the World Cup, and I still think he should. But I think you might be right. His test career. I don't know. I would persist with him personally, but I I don't know. I maybe on home soil maybe. But it's great on home soil. Yeah. It was the ashes, yeah, yeah. We're thinking yeah. about Stuart We're thinking about Stuart Broad. Exactly. Yeah. Look, it was actually a, a fairly surprising duo that ended up kind of saving Australia, though. Usman Kawaja had a, a terrible first test, one and five he made. And then Pete Hanscom, who I think a lot of people were kind of maybe calling for his head. <laughs> yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah. No, I was okay with Hanscom in the team. I think he's done enough to kind of be in the fringes. He was okay on the subcontinent. I, I was okay with that selection. It was the Renshaw one I didn't love. Yeah. Look, 31 and 6, certainly not as bad as a lot of people in the first test, but... Took a ripping catch today. He did. Albeit one that he kind of half spilt, but yeah. But yeah, those two were the only reason really that we managed to drag our way up. Look, Pat Cummins played a nice little cameo for 33. And captain's knock, they needed it, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a good little captain's knock. So, we, yeah, we had a couple of guys that actually contributed, but a lot of it's just going to come down to the bowlers now. I mean, four wickets down, just over 100 runs. All Nathan Lyon. At one stage, he was four for eight couple of really lovely deliveries today good control but i can't believe some people were saying he shouldn't play in the oh, second that's a joke ridiculous that's a joke so i wouldn't have played coonham and i would have had boland in i would have had boland and cummins 
Boland kept up an end. His economy rate was magnificent in the first yeah, test. Did he, he didn't take a single wicket. It doesn't matter, the economy. Yeah, no. I... No, if, if the pace guy can hold down an end while the spinners are doing the attacking, I, I don't mind. If you're a, if you're bowling at an economy of under three, which he was. He was, he was two, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would have had him instead of Kuhneman. Oh, yeah, no, especially because Head, Labashane, Smith, Warner, they can all bowl spin. Yeah. We don't have any medium paces. Labashane will have to bowl medium paces maybe. We just don't bowl. Well, you just bowl spin. Yeah, maybe. Look, I I disagree. I'm happy with having one pace, but the thing is, like, we don't even have our full pace attack. If you look at the series, we haven't had Mitch Stark and we haven't had Josh Hazelwood, two of the best bowlers in the world. Yeah, I think Hazelwood was okay to come back in for this one if we wanted to play him, but he hasn't bowled yet. Yeah, that's what yeah. is more what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah so yeah. look. It's it's been a good start, but the big thing now is you can't let India all of a sudden drag it out and yeah. make three fifty four hundred. Yeah, from four for one hundred and eleven, where it stands right this second, got to bowl them out for under two hundred. It's just it's got to happen. And we've won both tosses. Winning the toss was key. I think really important to win the tosses to have any chance. We blew it in the first test. Hopefully, in this test, it might be a little bit different. Yeah. But the thing is, like India do what they do best. They take advantage of vulnerabilities in, in the batters. They bowl attacking lines and length. They have more patience and they know we don't have patience. They do. That's a big deal. They do. Yeah. And, and even when the Aussies were coming at them, like Ravi Ashman was getting tonked a little bit, but they stuck with him. And all of a sudden, he gets rid of Labashane, he gets rid of Smith. There was the- a nice stumping. Good, like, good, yeah. vari- good, like, good variations, though. It was yep. like Labashane got done by the one that spun back. Smith got done by the one that just sort of slid on a little bit. It's been it's been good. Hopefully, Australia will continue to be competitive, and and it might be a match. You never know. But that tail could wag. A draw would be handy. Yeah, we'll take it. We will take it. Now, just quickly to round things off, Nath, the women's IPL, I think it's the WPL they've called it now. So great to see the women's game getting the respect it deserves. Yes, the money's not even close to what the men are making, but but this recent IPL auction or WPL or whatever you want to call it for the women has really, quote, catapulted women's cricket to a whole new level. Journalist Daniel Bredig put that. I don't think I could put it any better than No, that. no, it's great. It is great for the game. Some of the numbers. So Smriti Mandana, $595,000. Ash Gardner and Nat Siver Brunt went for five sixty dollars apiece. You had Beth Mooney went for $350,000. Elise Perry went for three hundred. dollars Talia McGrath for two fifty. dollars A little bit surprising, Meg Lanning as low as one hundred and ninety, and Alyssa Healy at one twenty. I mean, she's not had... Maybe the best run of form. Oh, Lanning is fantastic. Lanning is great. But yeah. He's yeah. been a little bit up and yeah, down. Yeah, she but, can be up and down. But you would certainly like to see her on your team for 120 grand. That's pretty good. I don't know. I don't know if you've had a chance to have a look at any. No, of to stuff. be honest. I, I haven't even. I was just about to bring up the Women's T20 World Cup too. Yep. We'll talk about that in a sec. I would say probably from what I've seen, there's a lot of parody. The Royal Challenge is Bangalore. Mandana, Sophie Devine, Perry, Risha Gosh. Dana Van Nykirk, Megan Schutt, and Heather Knight. That oh, is... it's good to see Van Nykirk get a match. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, well, <laughs> we won't talk about that. But no, look, it's it's good to see. Yeah, look, there's just been so much going on. I haven't really kept up to date with the Women's T20 World Cup a hell of a lot. The Aussies are 3-0, and though. Uh, on the other side, the English and Indian women are 2-0. So it's the usual suspects, really. I think the fireworks will begin in the finals, most likely. Pretty much. One more other quick hit. We talked about uh, Stuart Broad before. His, I don't know, partner in crime, I guess you'd call him, Jimmy Anderson, has had at least one test wicket every year for the last 21 successive years, stretching back to 2003. Will McPherson had that stat. I'd call him the Batman to Stuart Broad's, the guy that services Batman's apartment. Not a fan of Stuart Broad, just in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> services. So not Alfred, not even Alfred. Oh, yeah, yes, oh yeah, okay, yeah, the butler. Hilarious. I assume that he services yeah. the butler as well. <laughs> All right, Stuart, you know what that music means. Final thoughts time. Well, we're really reaching the pointy end of the NBL season right now. Oh, it's getting exciting. It's really interesting not having any idea who any of the four teams are that yeah. can make it. But yeah. Well, certainly the two teams anyway. It's not no, it's, no, I agree. It's the beauty of having two series locked up at one apiece. Literally any team could win from here. I do believe that. Some teams have a bigger chance than others, but who knows? Yeah, look, it just comes down to a number of different factors that we won't know about for the next couple of days. Yes, this is true. Look, cricket's been great. Basketball's been great. What more could you ask for? Oh, yes. Lots and lots of basketball coming up. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.